Before we get to today's show, I'd like to hear from you. This show is nothing without our listeners, and we want to make sure we provide you with what you're looking for. Our mailbox is open to all suggestions. So if you have a topic you want to learn about, or a guest you want to hear from, let us know by sending us an email to jagahealthandwellness at gmail.com. That's C-H-A-G-A-H-E-A-L-T-H-N-W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S at gmail.com. Now, enjoy the episode. As the world gets louder and louder, the lessons of our natural world become harder and harder to hear, but they are still available to those who know where to listen. I'm Jerry Olette, and I was honored to serve as Ontario's Minister of Natural Resources. However, my journey into the woods didn't come from politics. Rather, it came from my time in the bush and a mushroom. In 2015, I was introduced to the birch-hungry fungus known as chaga, a tree conch, with centuries of medicinal use by indigenous peoples all over the globe. After nearly a decade of harvest, use, testimonials and research, my skepticism has faded to obsession, and I now spend my life dedicated to improving the lives of others through natural means. But that's not what the show's about. My pursuit of this strange mushroom And my passion for the outdoors has brought me to the places and around the people that are shaped by our natural world. On Outdoor Journal Radio's Under the Canopy podcast, I'm going to take you along with me to see the places, meet the people that will help you find your outdoor passion and help you live a life close to nature and under the canopy. Today, that person is Angelo Viola, a man who has made his living promoting and preserving our nation's fisheries. On this week's show, we're going to learn about how Angelo found his outdoor passion, our shared experience with polar bears, and how the Minister of Natural Resources became a podcaster. So join me today for another great episode, and hopefully we can inspire a few more people to live their lives under the canopy. Ange, welcome to the show. Hey, buddy. How are you? Life is good. And how about you? Uh, I'm much better now. I was listening to uh, the uh, the piece you just did. I feel healthier just being on with you. Well, that's important. <laughs> and to have you on my show this time, which is quite different, because well, most of the time I was on your show. I guess uh, we, were, we were doing radio together. Oh, good Lord. Uh, I'm going to say, what, 15 years, Jerry? Maybe well, maybe a little more. I don't know. No, maybe. it was before I was I was minister because then when we went minister, we started to work on together. And if you remember taking the fish tanks to Walmart with that program, I oh, yeah. helped you with. Oh yeah, which was great for getting kids involved in when fishing. When was that? What you remember? What, like you're good on dates. How that was, was 2002. Oh my god! So that's 20 years ago, Ange. So it's longer than 15, <laughs> and we were we were doing the show before that. Oh my goodness! Boy, yeah. how things have changed, and boy uh, has has time ever changed, and. Things have come around. So, and you are on a new venture. You want to 
give us a little bit of background on the new venture, which you're including me on, which is well, part of this podcast, right? Yeah, I guess, you know, uh, old, new, uh, recycled, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we did Outdoor Journal, the radio show right. uh, with Rogers Sportsnet for 28 years, almost 30 years. Wow. And then the pandemic hit. And yes. of course, there was a, a lot of uncertainties, uh, myself mm -hmm. included. And we went into hiatus for a... At the time, I remember speaking to uh, the executives at uh, at Sportsnet, and we figured, you know what, this thing is going to blow over in a month or so. Let's uh, let's just sit back and, and reconnect in a month, and uh, we'll 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 see what happens. Of course, you know, a month led into two and six and a year, and a funny thing happened. A funny, funny thing? thing happened okay. while I was uh, not working on radio. All right, what was the funny thing? Funny thing is, I discovered weekends. Oh, <laughs> I discovered weekends. They yeah. were. I, I think I spoke to you at the time. I was yes like, for, I, I, for about a month. I was beside myself because I, it was like a revelation. Yes, I had been working every Saturday for mm -hmm. that thirty-year period, live doing live radio, which means that my Friday nights were encumbered because yeah. I was on uh, early in the mornings. Mm -hmm. um, so Friday nights for me were you know bedtime by eight or nine o'clock. Yes. And <laughs> Saturdays on the show, uh, pre and post show would eat up most of valuable part of Saturday. Yep. And that left me only Sunday yes. to recreate and to do family things and to, you know, and, and so it all got jammed into Sunday, which means Sunday was a complete write off for me. I never had a Sunday that I looked around and in the backyard, just, whew, I'm just going to chill here today. I, I didn't have one for 30 years. So what happened when I was, you know, on hiatus with the show yep. is that I realized how, how wonderful Sundays were. <laughs> so you, you weren't pacing back and forth afterwards with no, all this buddy. time off and it's just like, oh, I got to do something. Buddy, I loved it. I enjoyed it so much. So, so once we got to, you know, we saw the light at the end of the tunnel from the yeah. pandemic, yeah. Uh, we got back together um, on several occasions with Rogers mm -hmm. and uh, I had to say, guys, I hate to say this, but I think I'm done. Yeah. And they came up with a million different solutions for it, including, by the way, in all fairness to them, because I don't want anybody listening to this that was involved in those negotiations back then to say, ah, but you're not telling the truth. So including uh, pre-recording the show. Okay. They offered me an opportunity to pre-record because it's the live aspect that yeah. that is such a big commitment, right? Yeah. And I said no. And uh, I, I, I was, in my mind, I was done. I was finished Mm -hmm. with with radio and uh, getting behind a mic. I had enough to do with the Fish in Canada show, enough right. to do with, uh, at that time, we were still uh, growing uh, fishincanada.com. We're still growing it. Every day we're growing it, but yep. it was a critical time in its life. Mm -hmm. And I just felt that uh, I was better served focusing on that. Stepping away and getting, yeah. taking some time for yourself, which is exactly. yeah, everybody needs a bit of that, don't they? Yeah, they sure do. And, yeah. and then I hired a wonderful young man who is now our uh, technical engineer and producer for most of our podcasts, mm -hmm. uh, Dean Taylor. And we were he was hired for something else. But... Uh, we got talking one day about podcasting, right? And one thing led to another, and and uh, and uh, I said, "Well, yeah, I'm, you know, maybe maybe we can try it, you know." And and that's when Outdoor Journal uh, Radio, the podcast, mm -hmm. was given birth, right? 
and we did that and it went through the roof and we, I just totally enjoyed it because I didn't have to commit my weekends to it. I can do it anytime during the week, as long as I do it. Right. It, uh, it fluctuates. There's no set, uh, mm-hmm. day. And it went and is doing extremely well. Oh, we're, good. we're number two in the outdoor category, the category that we represent. Right. Uh, we've grown um, wow. from obscurity to number two yes. with, uh, with Apple on iTunes. Okay. Um, and then we, we've had so many wonderful relationships and, and great guests throughout the years on Outdoor Journal that uh, the notion of giving – them an opportunity to do their own thing Mm -hmm. came up and you were right there at the top of my list when I said, we got to do this. We thank you very much. And and we're going to go, I hope to go into some details about, you know, what do you think would be good, some good shows. But Ange, when when you talk about that and and about podcasting and about, I was not a podcaster, didn't know much about it, don't know all the details. I enjoyed doing the, the outdoor journal, the radio show. But I recall when I was minister and you took me to the, the the hall the fishing hall of fame breakfast where they made the announcement when I was minister and it would be I think two thousand and three February two thousand uh, two thousand and three mm-hmm. that we went in and one of the things that I did there was I took a picture of everybody there yeah and then I said now hang on a second I'm gonna take a picture so and then I sent that picture to my staff member who was waiting for me to to receive it and that person was sending out the picture and posting it on Facebook and a number of other social media aspects. And I explained to everybody in the crowd that there, the picture I just took and showed you has been sent to 10,000 individuals in the province of Ontario. Yeah. And everybody that. went. I remember that. That was cool. Everybody's going, what? And afterwards I said, you know, things are changing so much that we have to keep on top of these things. And it's like podcasting. That's where it's at right now. Yeah, And it's the same sort of thing. And I recall after that, when I was walking out, I had a number of the people who were business individuals or individuals who were recipients of, of receiving or being with the Canadian Fishing Hall of Fame that I guess I'm going to have to get into this social media thing because of what I just showed them. Same thing with podcasting. And you've brought me to that. It, it almost seems ridiculous now, you know, listening to that. But, but I, remember, I remember that day mm-hmm. sitting in, in the audience thinking, what the hell is he doing mm-hmm. now? And isn't it funny? Yeah, you're right. How far? How far we come now? Now we kind of take it for granted. Yes. Now, now we think uh, sending a picture out to ten thousand people is is uh, is nothing. Is nothing at all. Yeah. No, no it, it has. It's it's come a long way for sure. It's yeah. certainly surprising. So, and you know, what sort of things do you think that people would be interested in that uh, for my show? And well, and th- so so the reason I thought you would be a really good candidate for the show. And by the way, I love the name, by the way, Under the Canopy is fantastic. Yes, it's uh, outstanding. Yeah, uh, it's, you know, when you see the image, it's not just yeah. the tree canopy, it's actually right. something else, right? Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I, I, I thought of you immediately because there's so many layers to Jerry O that, that people don't really get a chance to discover. Yeah, yeah, he was the Minister of Natural Resources for a while. Yes, he was a politician for almost 25 years, I guess it was. Uh, yes, uh, he has been involved in um, the hunting community since the beginning of time and uh, <laughs> outdoorsman, angler extraordinaire, like all those things. Yes, 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 and yes. Right. You, you crossed all those. But uh, Jerry the Individual is a fascinating guy, and I, and I, I envisioned being able to – 
and I don't want to use the word exploit, but maybe I will in this case, exploit that personality trait. I just listened to you. Right. I just listened to you uh, fill a five-pound bag with <laughs> 10 pounds worth of stuff, <laughs> and and I'm still... I'm still wondering how the hell you did it. Well, and that's the beauty of you, right? You 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 have this way of just throwing the stuff out there and people are grabbing little bits and pieces and <laughs> and, and and digesting that and coming back from I, I think it's gonna be great. I think you're gonna do a well, wonderful job. Yeah. We're um, hoping there's gonna be a lot of things like for example, mm. how about now I wasn't minister, it was after that time that I took my son, we were up at a place called Fort Severn, not Port Severn, Fort Severn, which is where Hudson's Bay, Manitoba, and Ontario come together. Mm-hmm. And we were almost attacked by a, a wild polar bear, which got to about the width of a hockey arena from us before we got away. Whoa. You think people would be interested in that? Oh, boy, I guess so. I guess so. Oh, I guess so. That might be kind of interesting for sure. Oh, it was, certainly was. And, and my son's like, I want to get pictures. And the person that we had brought up there, uh, was get out of here, get out of here, and of course, the the we had to we were the the tide was going out, and we were stuck in the mud flats about five kilometers out in Hudson's Bay, and the bears coming right at us. <laughs> it's a, they're a scary sight, huh? Well, when you're when yeah. you're on ground level, face to face with them, they can be a very imposing creature, oh. to say the least. And the size of them, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah big you animals. know, it's not like a, a black bear. I mean, this one was. This one was, oh, it wasn't that big. It was only probably between 10 and 11 feet tall when it stood up. Did I ever? <laughs> I think I did. I think I shared that experience with you. When we were shooting Outdoor Journal uh, television show, No, we did a polar bear episode in Churchill. Okay. No. And uh, make a long story. I won't get into all the details, but the animal that uh, we uh, interacted with, Wade, came out at 1,160 pounds. Wow. It got inadvertently dispatched uh, by the DNR folks right. there. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's why I know the weight and the length and the height and all that. It was it was the size of a horse. Oh. And it, um, it, anyways, it went to the local Inuit community and obviously mm-hmm. they took care of it and right. did what they had to do. But th- this thing was so big. It was the most impressive to this day. And I've been to Africa several times uh, you know, and and have seen all those wonderful animals out there. Mm-hmm. To this day, I think this polar bear experience is the one that has stayed with me the longest and is the most vivid in in my mind. Yeah, they are a very impressive animal. Here's a question for you: Polar bear? Yes. Is it black with white fur or white with black fur? <laughs> <laughs> What's the skin color of a polar bear? I believe it is black with white fur. Yeah. Yep. It's totally black. Yep. People are quite surprised. Bizarre. Yeah. But it is. And yeah, it's uh I, yeah. they they have they have uh, all kinds of really weird strange they're totally different than a regular bear. Yes, completely. Yeah, uh, and, and their whole and most people don't understand and and you know we could do probably a whole episode on talking about polar oh, for bears. Sure, for sure. You know, cuz most people don't know that Ontario has one of the world's largest polar bear populations. See, there's something that I think a lot of people don't know because we associate Manitoba, we associate uh, northern Quebec. 
Uh, we associate all these other parts of the Arctic, obviously, and, yep. and beyond. Uh, but yeah, Ontario yeah. is uh, is laden with them. Yeah. A lot of them around the Sutton River area and beyond. Yep. So, exactly, and uh, polar so. bears and walruses and seals and all sorts of stuff that you would not people normally yeah. associate with Ontario at all. You see, you asked me earlier on, why do I think Jerry O is the man? <laughs> you just did it right there. We got off off topic and onto bears when <laughs> when you started this whole thing about uh, about uh, medicine. So yes. it, 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 that's why you're here. And that's, I think the audience is going to absolutely gravitate towards you and and uh, make you their friend. Well, um, well we hope so. And, and if people want to send in things that they would like to find out more information about, I'd be more than happy to try and include it or answer questions on a regular basis on the show. Because this is how we learn what people are going to be interested in. Yeah, you know, and, and most people don't know, you know, the big thing about polar bears, we all hear about climate change and what's happening, but actually they're adapting and quite surprising. Oh, yeah. And I think everything will adapt. I mean, it, it, listen, yep. we, the, the animals, we included in that, by the way, we've been adapting on Earth since it first spun out of its crazy mass yep. that it came from and, 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 you know, gave birth to living organisms. Mm-hmm. It's all about a, a adaptation. And I don't think we're in it. Yeah, at a, a place that's any different than it has been for for eons, uh, we will adapt. Yes, we will adapt. What brings people together more than fishing and hunting? How about food? I'm Chef Antonio Maleka, and I have spent years catering to the stars. Now, on Outdoor Journal Radio's Eat and Wild podcast, Louise, Hooksat, and I are bringing our expertise and Rolodex to our real passion, the outdoors. Each week, we're bringing you inside the boat, tree stand, or duck blind and giving you real advice that you can use to make the most out of your fishing game. You're going to flip that duck breast over once you get a nice hard sear on that breast. You don't want to sear the actual meat. And it's not just us chatting here. If you can name a celebrity, we've probably worked with them. And I think you might be surprised who likes to hunt and fish. When Kit Harrington asks me to prepare him sashimi with his bass, I couldn't say no. Whatever Taylor Sheridan wanted, I made sure I had it. Burgers, steak, anything off the barbecue. That's a true cowboy. All Jeremy Renner wanted to have was lemon ginger shots all day. Find Eating Wild now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Hi, everybody. I'm Angelo Viola. And I'm Pete Bowman. Now, you might know us as the hosts of Canada's favorite fishing show, but now we're hosting a podcast. That's right. Every Thursday, Angela and I will be right here in your ears, bringing you a brand new episode of Outdoor Journal Radio. Hmm. Now, what are we going to talk about for two hours every week? Well, you know there's going to be a lot of fishing. I knew exactly where those fish were going to be and how to catch them, and they were easy to catch. Yeah, but it's not just a fishing show. We're going to be talking to people from all facets of the outdoors, from athletes. All the other guys would go golfing. Me and Garth and Turk and all the Russians would go fishing. To scientists. But now that we're reforesting and letting things free, it's the perfect transmission environment for Lyme disease. To chefs. If any game isn't cooked properly, marinated, or you will taste it. And whoever else will pick up the phone. Wherever you are, Outdoor Journal Radio seeks to answer the questions and tell the stories of all those who enjoy being outside. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How did a small town sheet metal mechanic come to build one of Canada's most iconic fishing lodges? 
I'm your host, Steve Nidzwicki, and you'll find out about that and a whole lot more on the Outdoor Journal Radio Network's newest podcast, Diaries of a Lodge Owner. But this podcast will be more than that. Every week on Diaries of a Lodge Owner, I'm going to introduce you to a ton of great people, share their stories of our trials, tribulations, and inspirations. Learn and have plenty of laughs along the way. Meanwhile, we're sitting there bobbing along, trying to figure out how to catch a bass. And we both decided one day we were going to be on television doing a fishing show. My hands get sore a little bit when I'm reeling in all those bass in the summertime, but that's might be for more fishing than it was punching. You so confidently you said, hey, Pat, have you ever eaten a drum? Find Diaries of a Lodge Owner now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm going to throw something at you that probably will mess with your head just a bit. Sure, why okay. not? So My head's worth messing with, by the way. You never know where it's going to go. Okay, so you just talked about adapting and everything changing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to talk about things that are changing or adapting or may have been around for a long time that people don't even know exist. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of mycorrhizal relationships? Um, no. No. Okay, no. so micro, this essentially is mycorrhizal relationships are, they're going to effectively potentially break down Darwin's theory of evolution mm-hmm. because evolution is, in, in Darwin's belief, was that the, the stronger will survive and move forward. But there is now research, and it actually started in 1895 when the professor who brought it forward was laughed out of it, where plants and trees actually talk to each other through a different method of communication. Right. Okay, so it's like when my, my sons were growing up, you know, talking about, oh, uh, I don't know, I don't think they said it, but they implied it, that, oh, the dumb dog. And I said, well, wait a sec, the dogs actually talk to us. Okay, what's, what's Strider was the dog's name? What's he saying to you right now? Oh, he's got to go outside. I said, okay, when he's at his dish and it's, his water bowl is empty and he's looking at you, or he comes out here and then walks back to it, what's he, he's talking to you, he's communicating to you. Okay, so what happens is, and when we're talking about fungi and those sorts of things, there are ectomycorrhizal plants and there are arbuscular plants as well, fungi as well. Okay. And what these do is the arbuscular actually penetrate the roots of trees and they create this little mini tree on the root of the tree that can, that reaches out to other trees. So arbuscular um, trees that are have arbuscular types of relationships will all communicate with each other. So for example, a fir tree and a birch tree are, are both arbuscular and their roots through Fungi will talk to each other and the trees will actually talk to each other. And they've done studies where they've taken nutrients in one tree and then monitored it through very extensive roots where they enclose the tree. They have radioactive isotopes. Um, 13 was the standard and 14 was the, the one for the birch tree and 13 was in the fir tree. And they found when they, they connected the two that all of a sudden those isotopes were showing up in the other trees, meaning they were talking to each other. 
All I want to know is, did you do mushrooms in the 60s? <laughs> That's all I want to know. Or is this something new? <laughs> no, no. This, this. Yeah. Were you around in the 60s? Yeah, you were around. The I 60s. was around in the 60s. Yeah, I was born in the 50s. Yeah, okay. But right. uh, the 60s, you know, the Love Trust and Pixie oh, Dust crowd, you know. Was, was that the, that was the time to be alive <laughs> on this planet. I'm telling you, I wish I could go back to those days. Those were great. It was certainly different, yeah. And those, those uh, psychedelic mushrooms. Oh. Or the what they call the psilocybins. Well, let me let me ask you that. Sure. Let me ask you. You're talking about uh, fungi or fungi or whatever you call that stuff. Yep. Um, so, what makes a mushroom? So, there's mushrooms for health purposes. Obviously, we all know uh, chaga is one of them. Medicinal mushrooms. Uh, yeah. The lion's mane is another one. There's yep. a, there's several of them. Yes. But what what separates the men from the boys here? What makes a mushroom? Uh, health and and medicinal and all that stuff and another mushroom is for taking trips on how do what's the difference and well, how do we know it all affects everybody's physiologically a little bit different okay okay so some of them for example um, the number one medicinal mushroom is chag and the number two would be reishi and then after that it's confusing there's turkey there turkey tail there's gnocchi there's there's lion's mane. There's a whole gambit of out there, but they're all used for different purposes. So as we mentioned before, it's the materials inside the mushroom that you're consuming. Now, remember, Ange, a mushroom is the fruiting body of a fungi. Yes. Okay? So there's it's like if you compare it with an apple tree, an apple tree would have – the roots of an apple would be uh, equate to the mycelium or the roots of a fungi. Mm-hmm. And then an apple would be the fruiting body of an apple tree, and the mushroom would be the fruiting body of a, a fungi. And then the apple seeds are how it proliferates and, and expands, whereas the spore body of a mushroom is how it expands. So it's the components found within the various types of mushrooms, and they've all developed for different reasons and in different environments. Lion's mane, for example, I find mostly on beech trees. But the, the chaga, as I mentioned, is birch trees, and each one extracts certain things. So betulin and betulinic acid out of the birch tree, but, but that's like everybody's like, what is he talking about? Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> so point being is that in the psychedelic ones, they affect that part of your mind, the, the cybercillins that have that effect, and there's quite a bit of research on it. And actually those ones now are being used in research, and I think Quebec just allowed some research to go through for post-traumatic stress syndrome and depression and a number of other brain well, disorders. Well, you know, I mean, this is the thing that came to mind for me uh, when I asked that question. We, we've, 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 we've legalized marijuana, you know, like it or, or hate it. It is legal now in, in Canada. Yep. Um, how far behind will mushrooms be then in terms of that? Well, it's hard to say, and I don't know of a lot of other jurisdictions that have legalized the, the psychedelic mushrooms, shall we say? Figures Quebec would be leading that. That battle. <laughs> well, I'm not sure of other ones around and how much research that they've uh, been applied for, but certainly it is the one place of my understanding is that they're doing research on that, which can help a lot of people. And that's the big thing about it. It helps a lot of individuals. But it's like anything, right? If you use it, uh, don't abuse it. The last time I made that comment about, you know, what were you smoking in the 60s? Did you take uh, mushrooms in the 60s? Was not that long ago. And it, uh, I, it was myself and a, and a good friend of mine. Um, I won't mention his name just to, just because. Okay. Uh, anyways, we were sitting uh, on uh, the back of veranda of a uh, condominium sort of a complex in Florida. Okay. 
and we were having a cigar. You were having and a cigar. We were having a cigar, and we were, I think it was the 17th hole or 18th hole or of a golf course. Okay. And it was early in the morning, and it was just wonderful experience. We were sitting there just, just chewing the fat. Yep. And one thing led to another, and we started talking about um, businesses and, and ventures that, you know, we could or could not get into and what are the pros and cons. And, and uh, he's also at a position, a stage in his life where he's looking for other opportunities. So we were just, you know, Mm -hmm. shooting the breeze and an interesting question came up and you mentioned at the top of the program, when you were minister of natural resources, you were also in charge of agri, the aggregate aggregate industry, industry, right? Okay. So, I have a question for you based on that, because the question came up was, what happens when these, and this may or may not be in your wheelhouse, but I just want to throw it out there. This gentleman that was sitting with me came up with the notion of rehabilitating Mm -hmm. the, whatever's left behind after one of these companies digs that big hole. Right. And whatever they leave behind to take it and- rehab it yes, and bring it back to life. Yep. yep. And he says the reason he's, he's been thinking of that is because there must be a ton okay. of that property available. And what do these companies, what are they responsible? After they're done digging everything out that they want, yep. what do they have to leave behind? Okay, well, that's a good question. I'm glad Thank you yeah. asked I'm, it. I, I've been waiting it's for always, the opportunity. It's, it, anyways, it's, it's not a secret government plot. Yes, it is. <laughs> but actually, every ton of gravel they extract, they pay a fee on it to the government for rehabilitation. Every ton they pay. So every truckload has so many tons of gravel in it or sand and gravel. Right. They pay a fee on that to the province of Ontario that has a rehabilitation fund to once they are done extracting all that or their permit is no longer allowed, that they can use that fund to rehabilitate old gravel pits. Okay. Whose land is it? Well, most of the cases, uh, most of the people, it's privately owned. It's privately owned. Yes. So you've got three entities here involved in this deal. You've got the original owner of the property. Yes. You've got the government, of Mm -hmm. course. And then you've got this company that their job is to dig out whatever it is that they sell. Yeah. It could be the landowner and the company could be one and the same because a lot of the the companies own their lands. Okay. Yep. Okay. So they've they've taken everything out. They're gone now. There's a, a, a sack full of money sitting someplace. Yep. What happens at that point? So they would make a, they would put a rehabilitation plan in place, what they're going to do with it. And who is they, by the way, the individuals who want to rehabilitate it, they come forward. The landowner. Yes. It could be the landowner. Okay. And I know, for example, one of the, you mentioned about golf, one of the golf courses that I enjoy playing on is a rehabilitated gravel pit on the Oak Ridges Moraine. It's a nine-hole golf course. Yep. They made application, and they moved it all around, and it's a spectacular golf course. And quite a few golf courses are actually built on old gravel pits. Mm, okay. so that And that question came up, too, because mm-hmm. we said, well, 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 the golf industry must be capitalizing on that. Yep. Uh, they are. I, I can think of probably the most exclusive golf club in the area we live in, Durham region, mm. is a rehabilitated Golf course, very exclusive, very expensive to get into, but a very elaborate club with and very well laid out. 
because what this individual wants to do mm-hmm. and wants me to get involved in, I'm probably I probably shouldn't be saying this sort of live broadcast, <laughs> but lay the hell with it. Okay. He wants to rehabilitate these big pit holes yeah. full mm-hmm. of water right. into um private fishing opportunities. Yeah. So, in other words, stocking them with with uh, exotic fish and or uh, not necessarily exotic, but game fish. Yep. And then rehabbing all of the surrounding areas and and putting up you know little cabins and and all the stuff that you would see in the wild. He wants to bring it to this land that has been tortured and raped and pillaged and you know uh, void now of of that particular mineral that the gravel companies needed, and bring it back to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I am. Um, if you go, have him go to Timmins, Ontario. Yeah, they have already done that, and that was done. Oh, I can't remember how long ago it was, but what they've done is they've taken a gravel pit and they stock it with fish that uh, people can go in to, to go fishing at. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, that, yeah. I think it's it's great. Yeah. It, well, it, and another gravel pit when they held. Oh, what was it? The Pan Am Games, I think it was. But it, it was a gravel pit they used for, I can't remember which games it was. It may have been Ontario Games. It may have been the Pan Am Games when they were in Ontario. They actually used a gravel pit for the water skiing competition. See, that's great. That's, that's, the public doesn't know that. I think no. it's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful information. Well, there's a lot of things that, that, that you know, we try to that to get the message out, but mm. – you know, of course, the first thing everybody thinks of is a gravel pits. Well, that's not true. A lot of people think about it as they're bad, but yeah, boy, I can tell you the, the stories that I had as minister dealing with that. I remember one that wanted to expand their their the amount of tonnage they were allowed to take out of this pit, right. and the pit could support it. But the local people, or the basically the cottagers in this case, were absolutely opposed that they would be all these more trucks on the road. Mm-hmm. So I had to write them back and I said, okay, if I don't allow this, this would mean that the in order to get that gravel to where they're building the road for you, it's now going to take 80 kilometers more each way, so 160 kilometers more, to get the gravel to the location they're doing the work. Which is worse? <laughs> taking it and going five kilometers or taking it and going 80 kilometers one way? And they didn't have an answer for that because they don't think about all the impacts all around because just like the, the mycorrhizal um, plants with that, we all impact each other in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to think of those things. So I'm sure there's people who think, well, well, he's up there cutting these things off of birch trees. It's going to hurt our forests and it's going to deplete the, I don't know. I'm sure somebody, there's always somebody that will object to something. Have you noticed that? Oh, yeah. There are always the NIMBYs that are out there that say not in my backyard. But I got to tell you, the research that I've done about the the arbuscular uh, um, mycorrhizal relationships, which is for birch, makes me wonder if birch trees talk to each other or if spore body or or mycelium can be transferred to another birch tree rather than spore body and that causing the tree to become basically infected with chaga in the first place. Interesting question. Nobody's done the research, but I'm going to do a couple things now. And like I said before, uh, I've got about three dozen test trees that I do experiments on, and this will be one of the ones that I check and see. A tree that has chaga, I'm going to try and see if an uninfected tree, because a lot of trees have their own immune system, that if it can be inoculated through the mycorrhizal uh, relationship that it has in the ground as opposed to just spores transporting. So chaga is an infection. It's it's a symbiotic relationship. It's basically a spore that comes in. It's 
it's yeah, it's like uh, good back. We as humans have good bacteria and bad bacteria. It's a relationship with trees that, quite frankly, the birch tree would not want to have. Any of the research that I have seen would not have it there because it extracts things or things that uh, the trees use to exist to make it beneficial for the relationship. But uh, no, it's yeah, it's. I don't think it's a positive relationship for any of the trees, the birch at least, that we deal with. Okay, that's yeah. interesting in itself. Well, I talked to one logger, uh, the person who got me into it, Pierre, and Pierre was saying that uh, when he's out and he's cutting, because he had to do a birch cut for a specific order because he has a mill as well and he owns his own property, but every tree that they took down that had chag on it, the centers were all rotten in it, every one of them. Wow. So to me, it's, uh, you know, some people say, oh, it's very positive because it can help heal the tree. I have not seen that, nor have I had any indications. But I'm wondering now if the uh, those those relationships underground with the arbuscular types of relationships may be infecting other trees or having chaga grow into it as opposed to say infecting. Interrupt this program to bring you a special offer from Chaga Health and Wellness. If you've listened this far and you're still wondering about this strange mushroom that I keep talking about and whether you would benefit from it or not, I may have something of interest to you. To thank you for listening to the show, I'm going to make trying Chaga that much easier by giving you a dollar off all our Chaga products at checkout. All you have to do is head over to our website chagahealthandwellness.com place a few items in the cart and check out with the code CANOPY C-A-N-O-P-Y If you're new to Chaga I'd highly recommend the regular Chaga tea This comes with 15 tea bags per package and each bag gives you around 5 or 6 cups of tea Hey, thanks for listening Back to the episode So for the listening audience, um, just going back, bringing this back full circle, Jerry pointed out, he corrected me actually, uh, that our relationship started about some 20 years ago or yep. maybe even prior to that. Um, and during that journey, uh, he started uh, spewing the benefits and virtues of this thing called Chaga. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't still to some extent am very skeptical and and I, I say that with total honesty however i do want to uh, relay this to the listening audience for whatever it is worth uh i had the worst eczema that you could imagine mm-hmm. for a male normally it's it's males are not infected with it as much as I was, but it was a reoccurring thing for me and it would just blossom anywhere, mostly on my hands and feet. And, uh, Jerry convinced me to, this is where I earned uh, the, the paycheck, Jerry, by okay. the way. Okay. <laughs> Get that hand on, uh, on the pen to sign this check. All right. <laughs> well, uh, thanks. And, uh, and anyways, so Jerry, uh, convinced me at the time he was running uh for election and i was working with him on the election and stuff and uh he convinced me he said what do you got to lose i'm telling you try it and so i did and i did 
use it religiously, I'm going to say for about six months. Okay. I, I could be off a little bit, but let's just say six months. I, uh, I, I drank it as a tea every day. And I noticed, eh, you know, some minimal benefits from it in terms of the infection, the eczema, whatever, whatever yeah. it is, an infection, disease, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But not a total cure. And so I um, stopped taking it. And then I went up about my business and and uh, just sort of forgot about it. Well, within, I don't know exactly what period of time, but I'm going to say within the next six months, at some point within the next six months, it was gone. Mm-hmm. And has never reared its ugly head again. Yeah, now, now, was it the Chaga? I don't know. Right. But I do know that I did take it mm-hmm. and i do know that i don't have it anymore so well, i don't know you make your own decision based on that uh, testimony that's that's exactly what we get with a lot of individuals that see eczema and psoriasis are outward expressions of inward problems oh i have many inward and, and outward problems oh, not just inward aren't, don't we all <laughs> and and the I actually had a Dr. Couture ask me to make a topical application, which took me about a, a year and a half to get the formula and then six months to get the manufacturing process right for it. And it's just a, a high-end skin face body cream that has additional properties that a lot of people are benefiting from this. And yeah. you are one of the ones that, that is, guess what? They're using it and surprising, it's no longer there. So yeah, I, I can't say with total certainty that that was the reason. Yes, but I, I all I'm telling you is what took yep. place, right? And yep. and that's the only thing I could do while I was taking it during that six month period. I didn't notice a huge um, benefit, minor, maybe some minor, mm-hmm. but uh, a few months after I stopped it, and you know what, I probably took some time to kick in. I don't know, <laughs> but I'm clear of it. I haven't had a boat knock on wood. Uh, since then, and that's been 10 years now, I well, would say, at least. So, so. And, and when you're talking about the, the cream that we have, I had when, – when I first brought it out, we had a friend that we knew. Our kids went to school together, and and anyways, she was running a business. Uh, she was managing a business, and, and I asked her, I said, look, would you try this cream for me? I just want your opinion. I'd like a – you know, I'm trying to give it to some ladies to get their opinion on it because it's high-end skin cream, and – and she was reluctant, just the same as you. Nah, I'm not. No, no. Anyways, I said, look, you'd really help out. I'm not asking you to, to do anything. I don't want anything for it. I just want your opinion. Give me an honest opinion. And that's the reason I'm talking to you because just like you gave me your honest opinion, that guess what? It went away, but you're not sure. Right. Same thing with this case. It was Martha. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I go in and see her about two months later, and she says, Jerry, Jerry, come here, come here. you got to see this. Anyways, we're in the in the store that that she's managing, and and it's a basically like a, a farm market grocery store sort of thing. And she starts taking her shoes and socks off. She's like, "I got to show you! I got to show you!" She says, "I can't believe this! I've had this all my my whole life." She said, "It looked look my eczema." She says, "It's gone." Yeah. She said, "You know," and and, and I put it on for in her case was about two months, yeah. and she said, "And it hasn't come back." She says, "I can't believe this." Biggest believer and promoter of it after that because she saw the results well, on herself. Well, yeah. I mean, and then, of course, if, if it works on you, then it's got to work on others, right? Yep, exactly. But, uh, exactly. I, I think in my case, Jerry, had it happened while I was taking it, I might have, you know, 
climbed up on the nearest rooftop and 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 proclaimed a miracle. Right. Uh, but the fact that it didn't happen right away and mm-hmm. it was months later and, and I was busy traveling around doing outdoor journal and, yeah. and it kind of, you know, out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. It just yes. kind of went away, but it wasn't till you know, after that I started reflecting on it and saying, you know, something. Hmm, yeah. I wonder. Yeah. And, uh, and to this day it's, it's gone. So that's all I got to say about it. I, well, I'm not here to promote and plug your stuff. Well, okay. But, I'm here to promote and plug your podcast. Damn it. <laughs> well, we appreciate that. And sh- let's talk about, okay. So you've got uh, how this podcast network is, is that what you call it? Yeah. It's, it's a going network. To work and what's in it? It's and- a network. We're going to have, uh, um, obviously yourself. We've got about another half dozen individuals who were, were on that magic list. Right. Uh, when we first came up with the idea okay. that are going to do, uh, we've got a wonderful, um, guy coming on to do um, Cooking Wild, it's called. Cooking uh, Wild. Yeah, and it's going to be all about, he's a professional chef who works, uh, his name is Antonio. He's been on the Fishing Canada show a few times. He's been on our uh, our podcast, Outdoor Journal, a few times. Um, he uh, He's an avid outdoorsman, uh, insane angler, uh, but his uh, real claim to fame no pun intended, is that he <laughs> feeds the the rich and famous. He is, uh, his company is one of the largest companies in the country um, that caters uh, to movie sets. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, when you've got all these big movies coming into the yep. country, mm-hmm. he's the guy who caters at his company. Oh. And so he's got so many wonderful stories about, about uh, meeting up with uh, all these high-profile actors and, and how the conversation inadvertently, he, he forced is the conversation inadvertently to the outdoors just right. to measure them engage their interest in outdoors oh. and if they're outdoors people then obviously he's got an instant connection and bond to them and uh very good uh he's he's given us some some great stories about that so he's going to talk to us about preparing wild food okay um which is uh very exciting uh, a couple of other uh People, a, a friend of mine that you know, uh, Steve Nidzwicki, who oh, yes. is a, a co-host some of the Fishing Canada shows, uh, he's going to start one um, about his adventures as a lodge owner. Oh yeah, and how they relate to everyday life and uh, fascinating, fascinating storylines that this guy has got. He's ah. going to run that as well. Good, uh, but anyways, it just goes on and on. We've got a list. We'll, we'll probably have about six or eight. Uh, shows within the network the okay. outdoor journal a podcast network so we're really excited about it and of course uh under the canopy yes um there as well so well yeah it's gonna be cool I, it's great to watch it grow yeah uh, uh great to hear people like yourself get their own platform uh it's wonderful having had you as a guest on my various programs for the last 20 some odd years but but it's even better to listen to you uh, on your own, and I'm going to be uh, one of your. <laughs> I'm going to be one of your subscribers, baby. Well, we hope so. We hope that uh, you know we spike the interest of a lot of people to get come in and let us know what you want to hear about, and we can we can help expand on a lot of those things or give more details. And we've got we'll have a few segments where we talk about uh, reviews and articles and book reviews or questions of the week and that sort of thing, so people can understand that there's what's coming from them and what. The public listening to this want to hear about. Yeah, and you're going to have some great guests on. I've looked at your uh, list of some of the future shows. I mean, I've, that's really exciting for me. So I'm going to be a subscriber because I don't want to miss 
any of them. And I, I urge people listening to this that they do the same because we're going to be putting out so much product. In fact, uh, the goal is uh, that we'll be putting stuff out every single day of the week. Very good. And so to ensure that you don't miss any of them, uh, you know, once you've listened to a couple of episodes and you like them, subscribe. And that way there, we'll just send out a reminder to folks that uh, uh, Jerry's uh, podcast is up under the canopy or eating wild or any of the other ones. Uh, we're in, we're, we're, we're exciting. We're gonna have some fishing people come on and do stuff. Uh, we've got, we've got, anyways, I don't want to spill the whole, the whole. Well, Angie, I think we've, we've covered a gambit of, of different areas and we've talked about some stuff and given some ideas and, and some of the things back and forth and talked about relationship and, you know, chewed the fat for a bit, so to speak. But, you know, just before we, we sign off, I, I just want to, I want to personally and publicly thank you for all your help and all you've done for us. Oh, you know, after when you're in politics so long, you, 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 your old friends that were there and, and, and you've always been there for me. And that was one of the things that we quickly learned that uh, you, you'd call somebody up and, oh, who we've are talked. you? And what have you done for me lately? And, we've talked and, about that. Eh? Yeah. It's so true. And that's, yeah, yeah, unfortunately, that's the human race, right? There's good and there's bad. And there's people that uh, that can take a relationship. And regardless of yeah. how or why the relationship started, uh, it's a relationship. And, and it's like anything else. You nurture it and you grow it. And that's yeah. where you and I have got. People don't realize it. I've never certainly said it publicly. But Jerry and I worked on his. When I said we worked on his campaign, I was his campaign manager for a couple of the, his uh, victories. Yes. And I got to know how hard this guy works. I got. He's an animal. <laughs> he is an absolute animal. He was just in, impossible to keep up with. And that was one of the other traits, Jerry, when, when the decision was made to bring in podcasters, uh, I'll be honest with you. One of the things that you bring to the table, that's really hard to find. What's that? Is hard work. Oh, it's people who under who, people who get it. There is no easy way to success. Yeah. I know they all look for it. We all look for it. And, you know, uh, there, there isn't nothing out there that will, it, that's easy. If you're not willing to put in the time and effort and mm -hmm. work hard, uh, yep. you're not going to win anything. Yeah. Once begun, the job's half done and half the people get analysis paralysis and afraid to make decisions and move forward. Well said. See, that's why you are the host of <laughs> Under the Canopy right there. Yes. Well, Ange, again, I just want to thank you for making a big difference Pleasure, buddy. In, in my life. And Pleasure. I look forward to working together in a relationship and moving forward with Under the Canopy under the Outdoor Journal Network. Excellent. Thanks, man. Okay. Thanks for being there today, Ange. Okay. That was Angelo Viola of Fish and Canada TV show, Outdoor Journal Podcast. Canadian Fishing Hall of Fame recipient and all-around nice guy. We want to thank Ange for being out there and spending the time and giving some ideas and talking about and just going over what the podcast and what's to expect in the podcast. Now, remember, as always, when we talk on this, we're not doctors, nor can we give medical advice, but always follow the direction of your healthcare professional and make sure that that's the way it's done. Now, the giveaway contest. Not so much contest, but for those of you who like today's podcast, for the first 10 sending us a snapshot of a review, we'll receive complimentary Chagger from us, and we'll send that out directly to you. All you have to do is send that snapshot to Chaga, C-H-A-G-A, health, H-E-A-L-T-H, the letter N, wellness.com, C-H-A-G-A, 
H-E-A-L-T-H-N-W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S dot com. Again, that's it, and that's a wrap for Under the Canopy. Have a great day.